0: Welcome to today's edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me as always is my colleague Joe Healy. And we are here to talk about conference tournaments. Uh that's uh that's the week we're in. Uh as we record this, it is Thursday morning. And I, I guess it is important to timestamp that, Joe, as uh you know, things change quickly this week. And uh weather permitting, I guess things things change quickly and uh, hopefully, you're getting to this Thursday evening or Friday morning, so not too much of this has uh, has gone stale already. But uh, it's a it's a rapidly changing time of year, and we're going to to try and hit on the the big developments that have happened so far this week as play has gone underway uh, for most of the tournaments around the country. I would say maybe even nearly all of them. The weather has certainly been impacting it, and, and some of these tournaments uh, do start a little later in the week. Some of them. Uh, Intend to start here uh, on Thursday, but uh, a lot of developments already uh, in terms of, you know, just the, the actual tournaments themselves and, and the NCAA tournament bubbles. So, Joe, uh, uh, it, it's the time of year where you have to have your head on a swivel and, and uh, certainly this year that's all the more true, I feel like, with uh, the the way the weather has been impacting a lot of tournaments, particularly those in the, uh, in the Southeast and the Midwest
1: as the old band the guess who said mother nature take it over um yeah it's been i mean that's been truthfully uh, you could argue i think the storyline of conference tournaments so far is just the the weather it seems like every time i uh well first of all i mean uh, me just simply tweeting out a picture of the big 12 tournament being played uh, under under roof at global life field uh, got quite a response a lot of it's people triggering. a lot of people see the sec on <laughs> on that um So that, that, that has really been pretty pervasive and it's not just the SEC and it's not just the Southeast. I mean, the, the big 10 has yet to start its tournament. So um, it's, that's been, that's been the big story. So I had a, I was sitting next to somebody in the press box yesterday and they were scrolling on the, you know, the, the watch ESPN site to like figure out what they were going to, you know, what they were going to put on their, their screen. And, And they were like, what's even what's even playing right now. And we had to like go through and figure out who was act what the options actually were, because, um, you just, yeah, you, you never know who's actually on the field in any given moment. And this, this tournament or this commerce tournament week is our, is already kind of the deal where to your point, you have to keep your head on a swivel because, um, you know, you've got teams sometimes playing two games in a day. So fortunes can shift wildly from, from day to day, hour to hour. Um, it's what makes it fun, but man, you, I find myself, I don't know about what your process is, but I find myself kind of at the end of every day or whenever there's a lull and you know, a blowout game or whatever in the tournament I'm at, just having to kind of download a lot of information very quickly to try to figure out, okay, who's actually alive in this tournament? Who's alive in this tournament? Like who's doing what? Um, because during the day, especially if you're trying to focus on a game you're covering, it's it's, it's really hard to kind of keep your finger on what's going on other places. Yeah, that is 100% true, and I honestly don't even try a lot of the times while I'm,
0: while I'm like actually at the field, it's to to keep my, my the, the pulse of what's going on more than like one, maybe two other places, uh, unlike during the regular season when I'm like kind of obsessed with trying to keep track of everything that's going on Th- this week, I just kind of admit like, like, it's just not going to happen for you, it's okay. Um, but we're, uh, we're, we're getting down to it here, and um, there are just a few days before the selections are made on monday and uh a lot a lot still to play for um i guess if you look at the latest field of 64 projection which you can see at BaseballAmerica.com, or doing that daily uh leading up to monday uh, the i think the top eight nine the, the top top nine sure feel like they're relatively locked into being the top nine um i think that southern miss still has a chance to get into the top eight if they win the conference usa tournament i don't know who that would kick out of the the top eight seeds um but i I think that's that's basically where you're at i mean i suppose notre dame which actually has not started play yet in the acc tournament thank you pool play um or did they start i (laughs) lose track of this uh but notre dame with uh with a strong showing would, would potentially you know still be able to get in there, I suppose. But I think you're you're really starting to lock in those top eight seeds. Uh the top 12-ish of uh the hosts feel locked in, but we we still have a lot to play for. Uh and then of course there is actually the uh the matter of the tournaments themselves. Like you said, Joe, though, um the weather has been a huge story so far in the southeast where I am, I'm at the SEC tournament in, in Hoover. Uh the weather just has been spotty and there's been a lot of rain and the sec right now has played five games in two days they would like to have played eight um so they're definitely behind and today the weather forecast you know didn't look good for much of the week but it does seem to have cleared up some and they're going to play at least a couple games today i feel pretty confident Uh, but they're still going to be behind and how is that going to affect things for all these teams moving forward as they try and grant cram all the, the games back in and um, the sec is not the only tournament around here that's been affected by that the sun belt which is playing like 90 minutes up the road in montgomery alabama is uh already made the move to single elimination um the conference usa tournament in hattiesburg uh, they've uh they've definitely been impacted and like you said the big 10 has lost an entire day and i have not really seen i have not investigated their plan as to how they're going to make up for the fact that they run a, a true eight-team double elimination tournament that has lost an entire day of uh of games so uh, a lot it's been unfortunate that this is where we're at uh that, that we have to spend some time talking about the weather but it, but it really has been has been tough and i hate that like this is the second time in Four or five years that the Sun Belt has had to go to a single elimination format, and that just—that's no fun. That—that's the way it has to go. And um, you know, the Sun Belt this year isn't a one bid league, so I—I I feel better about it this year than I did when they did it the last time. Uh, that you know, it, it just felt really bad that one, one you know, that the whole bid, the the whole conference their tournament hopes are just coming down to a single elimination tournament. That's, that's not what baseball's about. But uh, I, again, I guess the, the thing for the Sunbelt is at least this year, they're, they're in a position where they're looking at multi-bids and uh, it, it's not all going to, your, your, your post hopes are not all just going to come down to this single elimination tournament.
1: Yeah, it's, it's somewhat, I mean, conference tournaments, let's be, let's be real too. I mean, a, a vast majority of the teams they're going to conference tournaments. I mean, yes, they, they want to win the tournament and and some at least one and, and more likely several conference tournaments will be won by teams that we would have never imagined would be able to do it. You know, shout out to Presbyterian last year, right? So, but the reality of the situation is that conference tournaments are as much about the student athlete experience, right? It's a fun road trip, it's postseason games, it's heightened tension, especially if maybe the last few weeks of your regular season felt kind of inconsequential, like it's kind of a nice change of pace and the idea that there are going to be some Sunbelt teams that have spent the last three days basically just sitting in a hotel and then are going to go to the field tomorrow or, you know, Friday and play one game and play poorly and be done is tough because, you know, you don't get the opportunity to bounce back. You don't get that second game. It's just, it's a tough deal. And for the league, you're right. I mean, I think it is a good point that, hey, this, this league is pretty much locked into, being a three-bid league at this point so you know it's not as harmful as it was last time around when it was a one-bid league and the entire postseason hopes of every single team in that that conference were 100% tied to the tournament but it still kind of stinks that's what they've um, that's what they've ended up with but you 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 know you got to figure something out and um, you know it's it's uh there's only so many options now when you have to be done by by sunday so here at the SEC tournament, a
0: lot of the discourse has been around, should this thing be in a dome, would that be a good idea or a bad idea, and I'm definitely a big proponent of dome, because I like the idea of baseball being played and not 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 having to deal with with rain delays, I mean Hoover has always been a great host for this tournament. It's very drivable for so many fans. It's a, a stadium that is quite large. They can pack a lot of people into this place, and they um, there's a lot of history here. The SEC really doesn't have to share it with anything, so they they have been able to make all sorts of upgrades, and um, you know there's no concern over like over anything. Like they just have this is this is their home, and so I I like love that aspect of it, frankly. Um, but I don't think the SEC even has you know, the the sway, nor really the money. Doming stadiums is quite expensive. They might have the money. Well, they'd have to probably cut some corners uh, elsewhere if they devoted a bunch of their budget to doming Hoover. So assuming that that's not an option, like you would have to leave Hoover uh, to play in a dome. And for me, that would probably be worth it, but I do understand the concern about well, like then you're playing in this massive stadium, and it's not going to be full. And look, at the dome there are four domes in the SEC footprint, uh, five, four four, dome, four baseball domes, like two other football domes, and I don't think anyone wants to see like the, you know, the what they do for the Minnesota Vikings stadium for for uh, you know the Gophers and and early in the season. I don't think you want to be playing postseason baseball in the Superdome or or whatever, but like I suppose that'd be possible too. But you have four baseball, dome baseball stadiums in the SEC footprint, but they're on the edges. You know, you're talking about Miami, uh, St. Petersburg, Houston, and Dallas. And, you know, if you did that, it would definitely impact the the turnout. And then you're playing in a major league stadium that's already not going to look full, even if you put 15,000 people in it. So I am am like, aware that these are not optimal conditions. But Joe, you are sitting in not presently right this second but like you you had sat for a day so far watching a conference tournament in a dome. The Big 12 is playing in Arlington this year at Globe Life Field. Um, What are your impressions of that? Is this is this good? Uh, from a from a fan perspective, obviously things are a little different there because in, in the big 12, Dallas is kind of in the heart of the footprint, so it's still very travel, travelable. I, I don't think that's a word for, uh, for for all of the fans and there are just a lot of alumni from those schools that live in the, in the Metroplex itself. so that that helps as well.
1: But what what have your impressions of, of the dome been to this point? Yeah, I mean, whether it's because the SEC was having problems from basically minute one with weather, or just because it's something that was a talking point in general, um, the idea of uh, that, you know, we're all thankful that it's being played indoors has been very front of mind. You know, I think I was at the the practice day before the tournament started. Not, I didn't hear every coach speak. I didn't. I didn't talk to every coach, but the ones I the ones that I, I talked with. You know, all kind of said like, oh, we're, we're thankful to have the dome because it it means we're just it's one less thing to worry about, right?" So now we just have to worry about, uh, you know, pace of play issues and and you know, getting to the end of the week when everyone's out of pitching and games that take four hours, which is inevitably going to happen. So, but those hey, are just I got a other. pace of play solution. Pete Hansen pitches every game for every that's team. right. We're going to build the entire plane out of Pete Hansen. Um. Yeah, that that was very that was very helpful. Uh, the, yeah, yesterday, really, truly Wednesday's games at the, at the Big 12 really well pitched across the board, which you might say, oh, well, it's the first day of the tournament. And that's true in terms of like bullpen usage. So you had all of your best bullpen guys fresh, but most of the teams were not starting their true Friday guy. And so you, you, it's kind of a mixed bag, typically on that first day. But they were all pretty well pitched, generally speaking. So, kind of got fortunate. That will, of course, will not hold as as the pitching kind of um, disintegrates throughout the rest of the week. But it's, um, th- I think the concerns about atmosphere are valid. Um, some of it will depend on where you play this thing, right? If you, if you play it somewhere convenient to, um the biggest fan bases in the, in the sec, the, the Mississippi schools and, and LSU. I mean, we see what LSU turns out to Houston when they play, right? Most of the lower bowl of Minute Maid park is filled, you know, it's 85% full on the, in the lower bowl of Minute Maid park when LSU plays a big game there against Texas or Texas AM and um, I guess that wouldn't be AM because they're conference foes. But my point being when they play big games there, the fans turn out. So and that's a pretty good atmosphere, so it could be done, but games that don't involve those kinds of teams, like they are, I mean, it feels pretty cavernous here. I mean, they had good crowds yesterday. I mean, they they broke a record yesterday, the Big 12 did, for a number of fans in a in a single day at the Big 12 tournament. And it just didn't feel like it because it's a big league park and it's a big, big league park. Globe Life Field is a massive structure. the The roof is really high. Um, The seating decks go really high, which doesn't matter for this in terms of people sitting, but the concourses are really wide. So I I did a couple laps around the concourse, as I do during these long days, really just to move my legs as much as anything else. Uh, And it just feels like nobody's there because these concourses are just massive. So people are very uh, spread out. Would you say everything is bigger in Texas? Uh, You know, you you could say that, yes. Including the the baked potatoes at the lunch (laughs) buffet yesterday. My goodness. I don't know what. I don't know what they put in the soil for these baked potatoes, but they were massive. Like I couldn't get through it. They had a, um, it was like a barbecue baked potato situation, but you put the barbecue on yourself and like sauce to yourself. It was really, it was really neat. Kudos to the big 12. I, I appreciated that. But I was that, like, if I eat, go ahead. I
0: was just gonna say, I mean, barbecue baked potato is a, uh, it, that, that's a solid lunch. Like that's a, it's a nice contained lunch and it's something you're not seeing all the time. I appreciate that. That's, yeah, that's no, a... it was.
1: It was an inspired option, I would say. But it was just the kind of deal where I was like, I can't eat this whole thing because I'm going to feel terrible and I'm going to fall asleep in my seat. So, um, but it wasn't, (laughs) it was an inspired, it was an inspired, inspired lunch. But anyway, long story short, I think, I think it's a good idea. I just think you're taking such a stressor because weather is such a stressor this time of year. We're going to see it in regionals next weekend, by the way, too. I've not started to look ahead at expanded forecasts for the likely host sites, but it's just going to happen. The thing that happens, though, that I'm, um, I don't want to say pessimistic, because that implies that I'm like rooting for one side of this debate or the other. But what would make me pessimistic about the idea is just that for every year we have like this, we're going to have two or three that are mostly okay weather wise, and we kind of forget about it. Um, And so I'm not altogether sure that like action on something like this is going to be a, a top priority until the next time we have a year like this, and then suddenly we'll start talking about it again.
0: Yeah, and look, the there, there are, the SEC is frankly fortunate that they can even explore this because you know the ACC has only two domes in their footprint, um, unless you want to you know define their footprint as somehow including Milwaukee because that's a part of Chicago land and uh, like Notre Dame is there, uh, and and they're both in Florida and you know I, the the Pac-12, not that they're probably interested in doming like part Arizona is is has other weather problems but you know they only have the one and if uh if the diamond well I guess they have two if they're willing to go to Seattle but you know it's just like the SEC does have four and and that is unique that they have so many so like they actually could like look at this does would Houston be a spot would would St. Petersburg be a spot you know Miami is probably too far flung Um, Would Arlington potentially be a spot but I mean I I feel like it would be worth it. But i'm not a fan uh, you know here for the atmosphere, and one of the great things about Hoover is that you have all of the like various like super fan elements of going to any SEC ballpark they all come to to Hoover. You know I know everyone right now is thinking yeah the whistlers there is that great like okay yes. But on the other hand, like that is that is an experience. That's a Vanderbilt experience, and he's here. Uh, you have the guy doing the LSU cheer in the, you know, on the on the little walkway uh, in, in in the stands there uh, in, in Hoover. You have there's there's a woman uh, at Auburn that like paces like doing laps like throughout the game at Auburn uh, on the, the the kind of little concourse they have at Hoover that the Auburn stadium has the same thing she spends like all game walking back and forth as I recall she's like an academic advisor uh she's here she's doing it during an Auburn game like you can get anything you want during a during whatever whatever your favorite little quirk of sec baseball is during the regular season like they all make their way here and you know would that would that hold true it wouldn't be the same uh somewhere else so you would be losing out on things like that but again are we trying to play the games? Like that, the the best way to do that is to uh, is to find a dome. So I don't know. There there's certainly multiple sides to this. I don't know that anything's going to happen in the immediate. Um, you know, Hoover has a contract and and all the rest of it. But as the SEC looks towards expansion and like Oklahoma and Texas are coming. I don't know. I don't know. Is that an exclusive story to this podcast, Joe? That, that no one's Oklahoma- no one's truly no one's talking about it yeah uh, like oklahoma and texas are coming to the sec breaking news uh and so that's going to bring them to 16 teams and they're going to have to take a long look at the format of the tournament and in doing so i hope they investigate some radical solutions like a dome or two stadiums or multiple weekends of this thing whatever like look at anything be completely open not just okay how do we cram do do not just decide do we want to leave this tournament at 12 teams or do we want to make it 14 and then what does that format look like no i i would i would want to see them examine everything like up to including like all 16 teams make the tournament and they do something southland conference style like they're doing this year running the tournament over two weekends but you got to look at it and and there's a great time because there's this impetus to look at the format anyway
1: yeah, I think and I think the last thing I'll say too is, is that I think the Big Twelve doing its tournament in a in a big league park, you know, with the with the the roof, I think has kind of broken a, a little bit of a wall because the perception I've always had is yeah, you, you might say, is that I think there's always kind of been this perception that, well, yeah, I mean that would be nice, but like a big league team would never let you do that. And like so and yes, the stadium has to be open for business. And let me tell you, friends, Globe Life Field is open for business. All you need to do <laughs> is look at like how many college games were played there. And not just, like Oklahoma played a ton, but it wasn't just Oklahoma. Like there were a lot of, like TCU and Nebraska played a series there. Like they, they were looking for games and their concerts they have coming in the fall are voluminous. Uh, so they are very much open for business. So you have to find a willing partner, but maybe there's also something to the fact that you know, the big 12 is going to play this tournament here this week and the, and the stadium is going to be fine and probably have, you know, made cash on it and everything turned out good. I mean, there is something too that other teams might look at that and say like, Hmm, you know, maybe this is something we could, we can consider. Maybe it's not going to, you know, maybe the team isn't going to hate it the way we think they will. Maybe it'll be fine. Maybe it's not going to chew up our turf in the way we we think it will like all those things that teams might be afraid of. Like the fact that the big 12 tournament is going to get played this week and it'll be fine. I think, would be helpful towards maybe opening some other teams up to the idea. Now, Notably, the Rangers have turf in that ballpark. Uh, the Astros
0: do not. Um, the Tropicana uh, definitely turfed. So, you know, I, I just would love to see. I, I just want to know that the SEC is looking at all solutions, that they're not just going to say, like, all right, Hoover, like, let's let's cram some more things into this uh, because it like I said, there's an impetus for change anyway coming, like, let's, let's examine how to best manage this great event, uh, moving forward with, uh, with a 16-team league. All right, enough about weather, Joe, um, we can, we can debate weather anytime we want. This is baseball, it's, weather is a part of it. Um, let's get to some of the on-field action, uh, and we'll do that here in a second, but first, check this out.
2: All right, Joe, on the field,
0: uh, one of the most notable things that's happened this week has not happened uh, at the SEC or the Big 12 tournament. Uh, It is East Carolina. East Carolina, uh, don't look now. East Carolina is in the latest projected field of 64 that I I published very early on Thursday morning. Um, East Carolina is a host. East Carolina's RPI is up to 18. They have won 15 straight games. They uh, they won on Tuesday in their uh, conference tournament opener, the way the format works in the American. They didn't play yesterday on Wednesday, so they'll play again today. Um, and if they win this tournament, I fully think that East Carolina is hosting. Uh, I the, the, My only hesitancy on could they host if they don't win the tournament is that they're going to take two losses and no one else from the American is in the top 50 so their rpi might tumble slightly if they were to lose the tournament um but if they if they go out and win and look they're the best team in this league by a comfortable margin this year uh you know they can beat anyone they've won 15 straight games most of those have been conference games uh they uh there's going to be a fourth straight regional in greenville
1: yeah just a really impressive on a number of levels one is the stealth nature of it where it kind of feels like we all collectively looked up you know with a couple of weeks left in the regular season and we're like holy cow like you see here comes ecu and part of that is because we kind of not gave up on them i think we always knew there was a very good chance they were going to even in a diminished state which we thought they were after they got swept by bryant to begin the season and then you know lost a series in north carolina and just got off to a generally slow start but i think that we always thought there was a pretty good chance of hey this this team might might stumble out of the gate and might not be a classic ECU team, but there's a pretty good chance they still win the American. And that's, that's kind of what they did, but then they kind of blew past that. And I mean, they've tied their best rec, they tied their best conference record as a member of the American. They also went 20 and four back in 2019. Um, And this is conference record wise, you know, the, the best team they've had since 2004 when they went 25 and five in conference USA, um, now, some of that is the American that you kind of alluded to is, is pretty weak this year. So they were kind of able to to waltz through that to, to some degree. But there's also something to be said about this team has has done a really good job. And Cliff Godwin and his staff have done a really good job just figuring things out on the fly. And let's not forget that this is a team that lost their ace in Carson Wisenhunt before the season started. You know, Jake Coochmaner, who was, you know, going to be like the steady guy in the rotation that you kind of built it around, has has been injured. So they're they've kind of rebuilt the pitching staff on the fly. They've put CJ Mayhew at the front of the rotation and that's worked out. They use their relievers liberally and in all kinds of different shapes and forms. And the offense really hasn't been as dynamic as it was last year. They never really, they really never replaced Connor Norby in terms of dynamism. And like that makes sense because he was one of the best players in the country last year. So it hasn't been perfect, but they have figured it out. And, and my goodness, they're sitting here, you know, re, you know, in position to host a regional, if they finish the week, well, and that's just such an impressive job. Uh, by that team because I don't think even as recently as maybe a month ago, I, I, even if in the most optimistic uh, versions of it, I don't think we would have predicted this.
0: No, no, I I don't. I certainly would not have. And CJ Mayhew has been excellent at the front of that rotation. Uh, Bryson Worrell has been, has been so good uh, for them in, in a big role, um, you know, in the, in the lineup and, and defensively, he had an incredible throw from center field to throw out a runner at home plate uh, in that game on Tuesday, I just there's a lot of of really. Big time players there still but there's also just a lot of dudes that are are grinding and are playing hard and, and just playing the kind of baseball you'd expect a Cliff Godwin team to play and it's. Um, I it's it's really been impressive to, to see. The one like mark, the, the bad mark on their their resume right now, is that they're just two and seven against top fifty teams. And I'm kind of here to tell you, I don't think that's going to matter. <laughs> I, I just I think if their RPI is as strong as it's going to be, and they're going to have north of forty wins, they're thirty nine right now. If they win the tournament, obviously they'll have to win a few more. They'll go north of forty wins. Uh, they'll have an RPI in the teens. I, I just I don't think there's anything that you can do to to stop them from hosting at that point, point. and uh, you know I, I I have been saying they need to win the tournament, but again like uh, I'd be interested to see what happened in their RPI if they didn't. Uh, if they can keep it in the top twenty um, and lose in the championship game or something, maybe they'll host anyway. It, it's I it's just been an incredible run. Um, they have all sorts of momentum right now, and the. Uh, the committee's not going to do this because they don't they don't think this way anymore. But like I will say, like there's nobody hosting in the Carolinas right now. If it's not them, or you know, I guess North Carolina's put themselves in the mix too. Uh, so it'd be regionally advantageous to have have a, a, a Greenville regional. There are plenty of teams that you can send there. So uh, it the, I, I don't think the committee would be adverse to to finding a way to make sure East Carolina or or unc potentially uh you know gets a, a home regional because it would it, it create it makes creating the field a lot simpler i think if uh if that happens um but again i that's not why it would happen but it, it is a nice byproduct byproduct of the fact that that east carolina has has really found something here in the second half of the season all right joe i uh i mentioned let's just stay in the carolinas, um, the ACC tournament happening in Charlotte. And so far, the story of the week has been that Pitt and North Carolina state two teams that are the, the way the format works in the ACC is that you're in pool play and everyone plays two games, it's three teams play play two games against the other two teams in your pool. If there's a tie and often there are ties, the higher seed automatically advances. Um, so it's hard if you're the lowest seeded team in your pool to advance, you have to win both of your games. We have two teams already into the semifinals of the ACC tournament, and they're both like lower seeded teams. Pitt and NC State have come out and they won their first two games in the ACC tournament. And NC State is a team we talked about coming in, uh, to the week, like what if they went 0-2, like what would that do to them? Like maybe they would fall off the bubble. Well, they eliminated all of that concern. They're all set right now. Pitt is still uh, probably just needs to go out and win this tournament. Their RPI is problematic. They finished under 500 in the league um, during the regular season, but uh, both of those teams doing everything they need so far to make sure that they continue playing baseball and, uh, you know, both of them are really good teams. You know, we've seen at at times what they're, they're capable of and and they went out and, and they've played really well so far this week.
1: Yeah, I said offline. I think it's I think it's true that the ACC is like a like a level, you know, it just kind of keeps like bouncing back to the middle. So we come into we come into this week thinking like, uh, you know, is, is NC State in some trouble? They got swept last the last week of the season. They're now under 500 and, you know, under 500 in the conference and not playing particularly well. Like and then, you know, here they are, you know, winning a couple games, putting themselves back back firmly back into the field and you know, we kind of gave up on pit and there's still a lot of they they still have work to do but um you know but they've put themselves in in good position and you know and meanwhile it's other teams and it, that now we're, we have kind of turned our gaze to some other teams in the ACC it just seems like this this season could go on literally forever and i think we just we just play this game into eternity where week to week it's just um, now we're worried about these teams, and now we're worried about these teams, and I think it's just been been an ACC that's kind of kind of been like that. I think the ACC tournament, just in the two days, has been a microcosm of the ACC season at large, really.
0: Yeah, and um, the, the it, everything's been so up and down all year. Obviously, you know, um, just a week ago, Pitt was uh, getting you know, game beat by Georgia tech at home. And, and that had been a, a really big series for Pitt. They could have, uh, come to Charlotte in a completely different place. If, if that doesn't happen, it's just the, the roller coaster nature of so many of these schools is, uh, is certainly just continuing there in Charlotte. Um, I'll, I'll be curious to see, uh, what, what some of the other, uh, te- you know, Notre Dame hasn't played yet. Virginia's only played once, you know, what, what, what do we see so far? But I the, I, I do think Pitt got um, you know Pitt beating Louisville, which is what sent them to uh, to the semifinals, was not surprising to me. Louisville just generally doesn't play very well in the ACC tournament. Last year was a slight exception because they really needed to, but even then they only went one and one, I think. Um, and uh, it, it just isn't isn't a thing that they're really ever seemingly all that interested in. Uh, meanwhile, Pitt. Very interested in playing well. And I, I just think one of the things about these major conference tournaments is a lot of times you you see a disparity in um in want. And you know, it it just seemed like this week NC State went into Charlotte and was like, no, we want to play well here. We know that we need to play well here and we are ready for it. And uh you know, Miami threw Carson Palmquist yesterday in, in the game that NC State won. Uh and NC State did not care. They put up like six runs on on Palmquist and Tommy White hit three home runs and broke the ACC freshman home run record and and all the rest of it and uh, I mean just a, a really impressive performance by NC State in a game that they maybe didn't actually need to have but certainly solidified a lot of things against a really good
1: opponent that was out there throwing their ace. Yeah, I'm not. I guess in, in the in the micro. A little you know surprised to see nc state here just for the reasons we discussed but like in in the in the macro view it's not all that surprising just because it it's an nc state team that yeah it's a very different team from from last year obviously but it's a team that still just generally plays like with a lot of pride and want to you know it's, it's a team that i don't really it, it feels like you don't really ever have to worry about whether or not they're going to come out and, and give a give a good effort they might get outplayed and they've gotten outplayed a decent amount this year at times but so seeing that, seeing it take place, I think you even called it before the, before the tournament that you thought that you know it would be, it would be very on brand for NC State to come out and just play well. At the I ECC said win the tournament. tournament. I'm I'm standing by that. Yeah, I mean that's just kind of a thing they do. I mean I mean they did it last year, right? So, um, or got you oh, know, got, Duke won it. Right, got to the final, I should say. Um, yeah, so they get they got pretty doggone close. Um. Yeah, so that from that standpoint not not all that surprising. And and Tommy White, I mean, the most impressive thing there is just the way he's, you know, he came out so hot, became such a phenomenon. And, and then, you know, hit a hit a, a period of time when he was struggling a little bit as the as the book kind of got out on him as they say. And then to to kind of push back on that and get going again is really impressive because not every freshman can do that. The really good one, you know, Spencer Torkelson could do that. But he was Spencer Torkelson, right? but not every freshman can do that. History is littered with freshmen who have, who end up having on paper, what looked like really, really good freshman seasons. But if you look under the hood, it's like a really hot start and then a taper at the end of the year. And the, the numbers just started off so well that, you know, they didn't, they had a long way to fall, you know, but he's really pushed back on kind of that freshman wall and has had a really, really nice season. It's going to go down as, as one of the best freshman seasons ever, frankly, for, for any hitter and, um, just really impressive stuff for for him not to uh, kind of succumb to that those things that are difficult for a freshman as the season wears on. Before we move on from the ACC uh,
0: here quickly, I will say that Clemson uh, lost their first game of the ACC tournament to North Carolina. Um, they play Virginia Tech tonight. Uh, that's Thursday night. For me, that's a must-win game for Clemson. Uh, they have a an incredibly bubbly uh resume we've talked about that at length uh, but i think going 0 two this week in the acc tournament would probably push them off the bubble um so all they have to do is go out and beat the acc champs <laughs> the the thing is if they do add that virginia tech win um, they would uh it, it would just be a big deal for for them to to put another top Ten win on their resume It would certainly be an RPI boost, uh, but I, I think that if they if they lose it, their ACC record would be um, you know a total of thirteen and eighteen overall. And yeah, I'm aware that they're missing a game, but it, at the end of the day, the raw numbers are what they are, and uh, I, I just I don't think that would would be enough
1: to to get them in. Yeah, it's it's a team. I, this is one we've we've kind of circled coming off of last week that Clemson barring now, if they, if they, if they beat Virginia Tech today, we're, you know, we're, we're singing a different tune, but you know, they um, you know, it strikes me as the type of team that, that felt at least decent coming out of the final week of the season about what they'd done. And then you kind of look up at the end of conference tournament weeks and realize that it, it wasn't um, you know, that they, they very well could be, could be that team. And, and it probably plays into their hand that, you know, Virginia tech is a team that doesn't have a whole lot to play for here, frankly. And so how, how, willing are they going to be to to really be pushing the gas when you know that clemson is going to be pushing the gas this game
0: actually means
1: absolutely nothing
0: for virginia tech because of the way the the format works the entirety of virginia tech's chances of advancing to the semifinals are on playing north carolina the next day so uh, i don't know what that means Hmm. for virginia tech tonight in terms of again like how motivated is anyone but um the uh there is there is something to be said for that for from Clemson's perspective, and, and we'll see if that changes how Virginia Tech plays uh, plays the game. But I would also say that, look, Virginia Tech gets a lot of home runs. That ballpark in Charlotte uh, leads to a lot of home runs. I wouldn't want to be playing Virginia Tech in that ballpark, regardless of
1: whether they're going to throw their best pitchers or not. Yeah, and, and also, this is a Virginia Tech. Everything is new to them, right? It's a Virginia Tech team that, you know, they still – they probably, even though they know where they are, probably feels like a team that still wants to prove some things and winning an acc tournament title is is on that list so you know they, they also might just be ready to go out and prove themselves and, and win another trophy no doubt about
0: that so that's uh seven o'clock tonight and if you're listening to this friday morning uh you know what happened all right joe let's uh let's go where you are let's uh let's go to arlington let's all take a road trip and meet joe in arlington you guys um he's there until
1: sunday i, I think we can all do it Let's just uh, let's roll to Arlington and grab some uh, Shipley Donuts and Whataburger on your way, and I'll reimburse you when you get here. Is there a Nebraska Furniture Mart we can meet at? <laughs> I've I <have> not. <laughs> it's a different part of town than the part of town I was in uh, last time, but uh, I will have to look into that. I've not. I have not yet. I forgot about that. I forgot that was here that we birthed that uh, that uh, joke. I'll. Um, that's. I'll make a note, but uh, not that I'm aware of. Well, I guess we'll we'll all meet at the Six Flags then, because that's right by that stadium. That is, yes, I can see a roller coaster out the windows if I look out to center field. Yeah, that's a that's a fun little little quirk. Yeah, take that Georgia Tech with your skyline background <laughs> roller <laughs> roller coaster. Like literally the only quirk that they built into that stadium, but that's a
0: it's not a bad one. <laughs> uh, all right, so yesterday in the Big Twelve, they they got things underway uh, on Wednesday there, and for me. I mean you can tell me I'm wrong I you were there I was just watching on TV uh but the be- best game was the first one the biggest game was the first one that was uh Texas taking on Oklahoma State in the 4-5 game uh in the morning Pete Hansen was outstanding for Texas and the horns beat the pokes um Oklahoma State continues uh a, 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 I, I don't I don't want to say a slide they did just win a road series last weekend, but they're stumbling a little bit here in may and Texas, much like, uh, much like ECU is finishing strong and into the hosting race in a, in a pretty big way. Uh, and yesterday was, was
1: certainly a big part of that for the horns. Yeah, you're right. It was a, it was a pretty chalky day at the big 12 tournament uh, yesterday. Um, and the big game was just happened to be the, the first one in, and you know, Texas with a, with a really nice win over Oklahoma state. It kind of continues You we, we had this weird, we've talked about it quite a bit, but this weird situation coming into the big 12, when the team, where the teams with the best RPIs in the hosting mix, Texas and Oklahoma state don't really have the best resumes and the teams with the best resumes, you know, TCU and and arguably tech, and depending on the, the flavor you like Oklahoma, like don't have the RPIs, they have the resume, not the RPI. Um, But Texas is getting close to kind of being able to put both together. Now it, it probably wants to do a little more this week to feel comfortable. Um, So that, that will be, that will be important, but you know, don't look now, but you know, they finished the regular season strong and maybe the RPI didn't come on as much with the sweep of Kansas as they were hoping. And I was thinking, but now they're, you know, as of last night, and I'm sure Teddy has more updated information, but they were in the top 16 last night. Um, So the RPI is there. Um, They're, more than likely not going to see any team in the big 12 tournament that can really hurt their RPI, especially if they continue to to win games. And, you know, don't look now, but the number one team in the country, like, look, they're not that team. They're just not, they proved during the regular season, they weren't going to be injuries a part of it. Absolutely. Yes. But just misfortune. Another part of it team just hasn't played well in a lot of aspects. And yet like they've mostly kept their heads above water. There's been times where it felt like they were kind of floundering and drowning, but they never really got there. It was always a team that was pretty solid throughout. Um, you know, won some big series. It's it's you know easy to forget just cuz the the discourse about them has been relative relatively negative just because of the preseason expectations, but they've won some big series, they've kept their heads mostly above water and and here they are in position to host and you know what I wrote about yesterday was just the idea that when Pete Hansen pitches, this is still the team we thought they would be because Pete Hansen has been Pete Hansen this year and yesterday against Oklahoma state, an offense that can put up runs in bunches. He just carved him up. I mean, it was classic Pete Hansen, you know, it was just immaculate location and mixing and keeping hitters off balance, good pace, like all of it. Um, just a beautiful performance. And when he does that, which is more often than not, um, even in the regular season, like this, this Texas team, is what we thought they were going to be. Now the questions come once you get past that, but we're at a time of year when just having someone of Pete Hansen's quality at the front of your rotation counts for a lot, right? Like this week, it might not because they're going to have to win at least three more games to lift a trophy. And that's tough for anybody. Um, But you get into a regional and especially if you host one, by the way, because then you probably don't have to use Pete Hansen in the opener, you know, having Pete Hansen keeps you more than likely on the good side of the bracket. You get into a super regional Pete Hansen pitching well gets you halfway to the College World Series. And then once you get in the college world series with the days off built in, if they make a deep run, they could use Pete Hansen three times. So it doesn't buy you everything, but it buys you a lot. And he's just one guy. Like, I'm not saying that he is the the be all and end all there. They're gonna have to play better in all facets than what they've played for a lot of the regular season. But man, when when he throws like that, it's hard not to think about the fact that like he is a little bit of a cheat code for that team. Yeah, I
0: absolutely could see this team in Omaha still, um, you know, because you you said all of that and you didn't even mention Ivan Melendez. And that's fair. He didn't really he wasn't a big part of the story yesterday. Uh, but that's a dude that much like Cody Clemens kind of carried Texas to Omaha in 2018. I mean, Melendez could have that same kind of postseason. And, you know, you put Pete Hansen in as you got to win your regional. That's fine. Most most regionals are won by the hosts you put pete hansen in a super regional and like yeah as long as he does what he does you know and you scratch out the three runs that he needs um you know you're in a a, a great spot already and there is some depth Like there, there are options at texas and you know whoever they're matched up against might not have that many options you know it, it'll just depend on the draw at that point but um you know, as we say all the time, the number of teams with actual third starters, it's very low. And, you know, so as long as they don't end up matched up against Tennessee, you know, it's not, it certainly isn't taken as road that, or it shouldn't be taken as road that the Texas would just have a disadvantage in a game three of a super regional on the mound. Um, they may very well have an advantage. And yeah, you know, so yeah, I, I just... The way that they're playing right now, uh, the way that they can play at their best, the fact that they have this star power in Melendez, in Hanson, in still a Murphy Staley. Um, you know, Eric Kennedy's back. Trey Faltini sure looked pretty good yesterday. I mean, th- there is still a lot to love about this team. Uh, and you know, no, they're not the, they're not who we thought they were. There, there are a lot of reasons why they're not who we thought they were, uh, but they're they're still a very, very good, very dangerous
1: team this time of year. I would say a honorable mention yesterday of interesting things is, you know, Texas Tech, you know, beats an an, an overmatched Kansas State team. Um, And a big an error filled inning for Kansas State early in the game really ended up torpedoing them because their Kansas State's pitching actually competed pretty well, I thought. Um, But the, the story there was Mason Molina a uh, freshman left-hander with really good stuff who who pitched for for Texas Tech and he was a guy who was on radars coming into the year because he was a highly ranked recruit and was was it was clear he was going to have big innings early on and it's it's been a mixed bag for him but yesterday was his best outing and Texas Tech does this kind of thing periodically where it feels all year like they don't maybe have as many answers on the mound as they want and it's a lot of mixing and matching and it sometimes it feels like they find things late in the game like it seems like they're one of those teams that really does a good job of keeping all of its options open all the time. Um, Whereas other programs, by the time you get to the postseason, you really know who their core guys are. And and Tech does have these like rabbit out of hat moments sometimes. And maybe Molina is one of them. The stuff is certainly there. Um, You know, he'll walk you a little bit, but he didn't yesterday. Um, So that was a step forward. So on a team that already feels pretty good about its first two in the rotation with Andrew Morris and, and Brandon Birdsell, and those guys are still yet to throw this week. You know, if Molina is able, I mean, he's not going to do that every, every time out, but my goodness, if he's just 70% of what he was on Wednesday, that's a real weapon for Texas Tech and, and really does kind of change the, you know, especially if they're going to have to go on the road for regional, it does really kind of change the calculus for what they might be capable of. Yeah, that is uh, certainly a significant development
0: there. Tech could, could use that that next arm. Uh, you gotta love their their one too but the the depth piece as as you get into this time of year is uh is important also of note yesterday in the that tournament oklahoma beat west virginia that in itself wasn't particularly notable that was chalk and um seemed like oklahoma played pretty well overall i know you were happy or not happy <laughs> you, you were You were impressed with the way Oklahoma pitched and that's significant because they weren't throwing Jake Bennett. Uh, So I think anytime Oklahoma pitches well and they don't throw Jake Bennett that's that's significant, Uh, but more to the point West Virginia lost West Virginia RPI is down to 40. Um, There are a lot of things that aren't particularly great about their resume and if they lose again to get knocked out to go two and Q there in Arlington. they're going to find themselves closer to the bubble than they would find comfortable, I think. And if you start stacking up their resume against what Ole Miss or Alabama has in the SEC, we'll talk about them in a second here. Uh, I would not really want to find out if the committee uh, thinks that going 14 and 12 cumulative in uh, in the Big 12 is better than going 14 and 17 or 14 and 18 or 15 and 18, you know, whatever Alabama ends up at in, uh, in the SEC. I, I don't know that the Mountaineers are going to like the answer.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the complicating factors there too is that they're, I mean, I guess you could look at it two ways. I mean, their matchup today in the elimination game is Kansas State. They have to feel pretty good about that from the standpoint of, okay, we feel like we're, you know, we're going to, um, we're going to win that game. But also if you take a loss to Kansas state, I mean, it's not an RPI anchor team. The RPI is not 200, but it's like 100. Um, you know, that's the toughest loss you can take in this field. And so that's not helpful either. So um, that is like a, a little bit of a extra, extra sauce on top of, uh, you know, what, what otherwise would be like a pretty anxious few days for West Virginia. Cause you're right. I mean, they've been like a weird team. I mean, we, they they came on during the season kind of sneakily and it was, you know, they, they played pretty well early in big 12 play. So we kind of felt like, okay, they've just kind of quietly been in the field all season. Like they haven't really, they've never really challenged to be like, Hey, maybe West Virginia could win the big 12. Like we never really had that conversation. We never really had like the could West Virginia host conversation. Although I think they were in the mix with like every other team in this tournament that if they won the thing, like they started off from a good enough position that I don't think that was inconceivable, um and yet here the, and but here they are like they dropped five spots in rpi they're they're at 40 now one more loss you know could drop them as many spots again and suddenly yeah you're you're in a pretty uncomfortable position so they it's just been a weird season where they've kind of flown under the radar for the really the entirety of the season both on the good side of things and on the on the bad side of things and but it it is definitely a story today for sure
0: uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's flip to the SEC for more bubble talk. We've only fight, played five games in Hoover, uh, but they've been five pretty impactful games. Alabama has won twice, and uh, you might remember the Crimson Tide last year played their way into the NCAA tournament with how they played in Hoover, and here they are trying to do the same thing again. They started from a slightly worse position this year than they did last year. So last year, they won their first two games, and it turned out that was enough. Um they won their first two games this year, and we're looking around and saying, "Is that enough, or do they need one more?" And I, they, they probably still need one more, but they also eh, they may not. We'll see. It, it would come down right to the edge if uh, if they did not win again here. Uh, but the two wins here so far uh, have have been significant. They beat Georgia to open the tournament, and then they beat Arkansas for the third time in a week um, yesterday, and. Uh, that that has been uh, that has been a, a big deal for for the Tide. That they now have fourteen SEC wins. They're up to forty one in RPI, uh, and that's especially big because when you stack them up against Ole Miss, which lost on Tuesday to Vanderbilt, um, you can find some favorable things for Alabama because they swept Ole Miss and Oxford, and Ole Miss losing that game to to Vanderbilt has like started them off on a very anxious week. They are done, obviously, like their resume is the resume, but teams are moving around them and Ole Miss's RPI can still move. They are in front of Alabama for now. Like, how long will that stay the case? Uh, So, Ole Miss is is kind of anxiously waiting right now. And then Kentucky uh, on Wednesday got, uh, they they opened their SEC tournament uh, with a win against Auburn. That's the third win against Auburn in six days. And that had a lot of, significance you know kentucky definitely needs more work they, they are not they're not done they're trying to come from a worse position than alabama and they only have the one win so far because they've only played one game uh but that was a needed win to to keep uh kentucky in hoover and in the hunt uh and also whatever hopes auburn had of being a top eight seed those are those were dashed with uh those three losses in the last six days to uh to kentucky
1: yeah, I'd say you know, considering it's only been five games, it's been a pretty, pretty active. I <laughs> don't active mess around here. You, know, you, you play a few games, <laughs> and uh,
0: there's a there's a lot that happens.
1: Yeah, no kidding. That's why I, I come uh, here.
0: If people people ask, "Oh, why do you go to the SEC tournament? I mean, isn't the ACC tournament more interesting this year? Because isn't Tennessee just going to win the SEC tournament?" I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe, but like every, every game here, I, there's a huge sign in the outfield. It just means more. And uh, yeah, I mean, like we don't have dead games here in the SEC. They all mean something.
1: Right. Yeah. Rare is the game, you know, except for, I guess you could argue, except for like the, maybe the championship game. <laughs> Interestingly, yes, that, some that of is kind of the dead
0: game. rubber of, of the thing, the one that comes with the trophy.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of funny how that works, but yeah, it's uh, but yeah, it, all you can really hope for, we talked about this, in the preview podcast this week, all you can hope for is that your conference tournament like really means something at the end. And certainly you can say that about the sec and we we've seen that so far. I mean, Alabama, you know, I think a big picture here, just a really impressive. Obviously they would have preferred not to be in the spot a second year in a row. Right. But impressive again, when you consider that this is a team that's, that's taken lumps in the sec and that they're, they're playing in the sec with a, with a rotation that doesn't have premium stuff from top to bottom. And they're playing in an sec without, you know, a big lineup, um, stalwart that they're building around that's having a, a massive year like whatever the sec version of, of ivan melendez is right like they're not sunny they're not sunny to share you know pick an lsu hitter you know like they don't have those Trey guys Phillips go and white laneford
0: yeah those guys
1: True, yeah so they i mean they are they are just kind of weathering the storm and like that that really is a path to postseason in the sec we've talked about it before if you just kind of weather the storm and you know, collect wins here and there, and and maybe jump up and get somebody. And it's it's and it's a hard thing to do to play your best baseball at, at this time of year when everyone kind of in the SEC in particular, it seems like everyone in those early stages has has something they're really they're really shooting for and and, and playing for. So that's that's an, an impressive job, and it, you know it might come at the expense of, like you said, Ole Miss. I mean, that's another one of those teams that you know, it feels like, you know, the, two weeks ago when they were on the, on the come up, we we thought, okay, this, this team is probably comfortably in. And then, you know, they lose the last series to Texas A&M, which was, you know, predicted to be the result. I mean, A&M is what A&M is this year. So you, even though that was predicted, they lose that series and it's okay. It slips a little bit. And then, you know, you're in a situation where Vanderbilt holds Carter Holton back and you have to face one of the most talented, you know, at least talented pitchers in the conference and, you know he does what he does and you still got you got a good pitching performance from dylan dilution it just wasn't one quite enough so um that's certainly nervous nervous times for them and it's it's it really is a coin flip when you finish 14 and 16 in the regular season um even that before you lose the tuesday game in hoover um you know that's there there's i saw in various places some people doing the you know the, the kind of math on how you know what percentage of teams that go 14 and 16 in the SEC get in and what kind of RPIs did they have? So shout out to Nick Suss and, and Chase Parham and those guys that are on the local beat there. Cause they, they both did that kind of research. And it was basically a coin flip. So when you lose that Tuesday game, now your pro- history tells you anyway, it's a different field every year. I get it. History tells you that you're at something less than a coin flip right now. And that's just not a, not a very comfortable place to be.
0: Yeah. And the, the thing about, you know, we, we get overexcited every year and I get it. Like people, you got to have takes and people want to know, are we in, or we out? And they're asking you on Twitter or chat or texting you, calling you, know, whatever, stopping you on the street. Um, I don't get stopped on the street to get asked field of 64 questions. The people of Washington, DC, I, I don't think really care.
1: Uh, I was actually, I was actually about to stop you there either way and just been like, wait a minute, you, because like, <laughs> that I was that would saying, be really, I thought I, maybe you meant like on the streets of Hoover. Well, maybe, yeah,
0: maybe here. I will say, though, I did see a Mississippi State baseball national championship flag uh, when I was out you know, about a month ago. So they're there. I know they're there. But in general, anyway, people want to know like that is the one, number one question on everyone's mind. Once you get to May, are you in or are you out? Can we host? Can we not host? And so you want to make like split second, like snap judgments. And the snap judgment on Ole Miss after they beat Ole, after they they swept LSU was, ah, oh, they did it. They're in. And like, uh, no, <laughs> no. It, it was never going to be that simple. Um, and it, it certainly isn't that simple coming down to it. I think they're gonna find a way to get in. Uh, they have a strength of schedule that's 15, they have a winning record away from Oxford. Um The eight and 13 top 50 mark is not outstanding if you look at the top 25 mark, it is much better like when you start comparing them to other bubble teams like. It looks pretty darn good overall like like I said, like compare them to West Virginia, the only thing West Virginia has in their favor overall miss is that they went. They have a winning record in the big 12 is that I am a big proponent of like I want conference stuff to matter, but I don't know that I want it to matter that much. Like if that's the only thing you have to as your selling point is that your conference, which, by the way, plays fewer conference games, uh, is that you took fewer losses in your conference, but you still finished sixth, sixth in, in the Big 12 versus, um, I can't remember if Ole Miss was eight or nine in the SEC, but six versus eight or nine in the SEC, like, ah, you know, if, if that is your one selling point, I'm not really feeling it, man, and so I feel like Ole Miss can find a way in here, uh, but it certainly is a more anxious week than anyone would have uh, would have preferred there. Uh, that, that's been kind of the big stuff here, Joe. Is, is there anything else uh, around the SEC that you want to touch on?
1: Yeah, I was going to say quickly on, on Kentucky, like if they don't get in, um, and I don't want to take that, you know, they could still, still do that. But, I mean, it strikes me as that's going to be like a really big what-if year where, I mean – they lost a series to Missouri. They lost a series to South Carolina. And that was just a couple of weeks ago. You know, they got swept in series that, you know, early in the season they got swept it against Arkansas. You win a game there. You, you flip just one of those games. Like, you're probably telling a different story. So, it's we have these teams every year that they're not unique in that. But yeah, you know, this late run that they've made showed that they can actually get get something done it's just they they just missed so many opportunities during the regular season that in hindsight looked like you know they were they were actual opportunities for them to to get something done
0: yeah and you know Cole Stupp uh was their the leader in their rotation and he got hurt against Georgia back in March um you know he's out for the season uh you know what's it going to what what would it be like with him and Aaraj New, who uh, hit a, a go-ahead homer yesterday to, to beat Auburn. Um, you know, he broke his hammock kind of in the middle of the year. They, everyone has injuries. Everyone has these things. But I think Kentucky, a team on the edge, you know, you, it's harder to, for them to weather it than for, you know, the, the team that's projected to go out and win the SEC to, to weather these kinds of things. And, um, you know, Alabama's dealing with it too. Uh, you know, they haven't had pre-lip all year. And how different would they be with pre-lip? You know, that's part of how these teams end up where they are. Um, But, you know, kudos to Kentucky for the way that they fought here the last uh, month or so, you know, winning that series against Tennessee, winning the series against Auburn, you know, winning yesterday against Auburn. um, Sean Harney pitched outstanding. Uh, They've they've given themselves a chance. And, um, you know, more often than not, it feels like Kentucky over the years finds itself on the bubble. Uh, and you know that's uh, that's right where they are uh, again this year. Uh, the Pac-12 started their first ever conference tournament yesterday, Joe, and um, it was kind of chalky. Uh, didn't didn't seem like the, the Cal beat UCLA. That was that was different. And I guess Arizona beating Oregon was anti-chalk, but in the it was a four-five game, so whatever. Um, those were two of the bigger results. Oregon State won. They had to fight with Washington uh, in a pretty offensive game and Stanford took care of business. Um, I'm not concerned about any of the PAC 12, like the, the PAC 12 is not really dealing with bubble stuff. Uh, but it was fun to, to see them get it started and, um, you know, see, uh, see just what a, a conference tournament looks like out, out, there, uh, in the conference in, in, in the PAC 12.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it was kind of, it felt like some of it too, is the time is the, is the timing of it, right? Like their first game was starting like as a lot of the other conference tournaments were getting, getting fired up. So like, it's easy to kind of be like, Oh, you know, I, I, you know, forgot they, they got going there, but the the flip side of that is, you know, I get back to the hotel and like, Oh, the Pac-12 tournament is still on. So that's kind of a nice little treat. So um, yeah, UCLA, you know, losing that gate, like, you know, John under UCLA, John said under John Savage, UCLA is a program that really likes, You know, it's pitching structure and and all that. And we've talked about that before. And the fact that injuries this year have made them have to kind of fight that a little bit. Um, But, you know, they threw Josh Hahn yesterday and and did a bullpen game. And, you know, just just weren't quite able to weather it on a day when when Josh White threw the ball really well for Cal and, and looked like the Josh White that I think a lot of people thought Josh White could be coming into this season. So, um you know, a little late for Cal on that front, unless they're going to go win this with win this whole thing. And, and why the heck not? Uh, they played well in the season, but um, that was you know we, we talked about how our Pac-12 teams that haven't been in this environment going to going to approach this thing. And I think we we did learn a little bit of, of something there. I mean, I think a lot of teams approached it pretty traditionally, which is throw like a a midweek guy or you know uh, you know a, do a bullpen game to start off and then like approach Thursday as kind of the first day of the. Of the weekend, but um, you know, seeing seeing UCLA go that route was 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 not surprising because that was a team I was interested to see how they approach it because that is a a team and a coaching staff that tends to like tends to like their structure on how they set things up.
0: They also are playing for like absolutely nothing this week. <laughs> Even if they'd won the Pac-12 right. tournament, I don't think they were going to host. So uh, yeah, that, that that makes it all the more easy for them to be like, all right, bullpen game to start things off against Cal, and we'll see where we're at tomorrow.
1: Um I, do I mean, there's think also justification for it too yeah absolutely just because they they, they still need to find like it, it feels like they're still trying to find exactly who they want to trust come postseason time so there's also the additional justification for it no no doubt about that i i think this tournament is right for an upset um just because
0: you know who knows like like stanford like like i said I, most of these teams are locked into what they are um you know cal now has a chance in the winner's bracket to you know upset the apple cart a little bit uh but you know oregon state and stanford are going to be top eight seats no matter what happens here and um you know oregon was kind of on the hosting bubble and knocked them off with that loss yesterday you know, if they went out and they won this they they could but uh coming out of the losers bracket considering their pitching uh depth issues uh that that doesn't feel likely so um you know i i'm uh i'm just here for the entertainment uh with uh with the pac-12 tournament and that's fine that's part of what conference tournaments are is just uh you know sometimes they're they're important for bubble teams sometimes your conference doesn't really have bubble teams and sometimes they're just there for the the fun festival atmosphere of getting eight teams ten teams whatever from from the same conference in in one spot and, and playing a, a good weekend of baseball so uh for that aspect i think the pac-12 can uh and have a fun weekend out there in uh in Scottsdale
1: at the Big West. <laughs> uh
0: they are about to start their final weekend uh today. Uh I think everyone's running Thursday through uh through Saturday
1: series there in the Big West. Uh, just you know, the, the last regular season we, games of the season. Yeah, they just like I think it's probably. I mean, at this point, I think it's it's especially with the Pac-12 going that way. I mean, I think it's probably only a matter of time until the Big West does something like that, because it's that league could not have been any more relevant the last month just because the writing was on the wall for exactly how that was that was going to play out. And, you know, there are good enough teams in that league that, you know, who wouldn't want to see Drew Thorpe pitch in that postseason setting? And like you might give Cal Poly a puncher's chance in, in that tournament because they have arguably the best pitcher and the best hitter on the board. Right. Uh, almost inarguably the best pitcher the best hitter on the board so you know give your give your conference a chance to show something the last weekend you know the last weekend of the regular season with a conference tournament instead of instead of what they're doing which is that you know literally tens of people are going to be watching their games you know
0: I mean it it was I feel bad Long Beach State played Fullerton a week ago we didn't we didn't give it a, a passing mention even and you know that's supposed to be one of the best rivalries in, uh, in college baseball, but it meant it meant so, so little, it meant nothing. And, uh, you know, I, it, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And look, a conference tournament for the Big West is not gonna make them relevant in the way that they historically have been, uh, but it would make the March, this year's March of, of UCSB winning the title effectively by sweeping Cal Poly, like at the end of April, uh, it would have made would have made the march to the final, uh, you know, the final line it would have been more interesting if they had been playing for something. And I'm not a huge conference tournament proponent for one bid leagues. Uh, not that the Big West is a one bid league, but just I, I'm not not a proponent of, uh, of the tournament in, in that setting typically. But I, I think the Big West, um, there's a difference between. I think you shouldn't take eight teams out of your 10 team league to a mid major conference tournament, and I don't think you should have a tournament there's a there's a medium in there that they can find and uh, hopefully that they are going to take a deep look at something now. Uh, all right, Joe that's uh, let's pretty much the action from around conference tournaments Um we had a few coaching changes since we last recorded Ohio state fired Greg Beals. After 12 years, he made the NCAA tournament three times there, uh, in Columbus won the big 10 tournament twice right now. That's, uh, probably the biggest opening to date is, uh, is Ohio state. Uh, we'll see where more coaching changes do or don't come from over the next week or so. Uh, if you're interested, we're still tracking all of those over at BaseballAmerica.com, And we have published, uh, job profiles uh joe digs into the uh into the job what it can be i look at candidates we publish those for uh for ohio state for kansas i guess rich price had he did we mention he retired i don't remember we got for the passing
1: out. mention on the preview episode yeah, okay yeah okay
0: yeah uh so we have them for for ohio state for kansas and for tulane right now and as more jobs come open uh, i'm sure we'll have uh, a few more of those uh over the next uh you know, however, however long the, these these big jobs keep opening for the next week, the next month, whatever, um, you know, if you're if you're into that kind of thing. All right, so we're going to leave it there uh, today, a lot still to come here this weekend um, So make sure you're following us on Twitter. I'm at Ted Cahill, Joe is at Joe Healy. He is in the Big 12 tournament. I am at the SEC tournament and plenty to read over at BaseballAmerica.com, including. Updated uh, field of 64 projections daily, leading up to Selection Monday. The next time we talk to you on the podcast, there will be a field, uh, a real field of 64. So look for us to podcast um, following the announcement. That's um, Monday at noon Eastern. So we'll have a podcast in your feeds late on Memorial Day uh, if you're if you're looking for it on uh, on the holiday evening. Or as you uh, start your commute on Tuesday, it'll certainly be in your podcast feeds by then. So make sure you are subscribed to the Baseball America podcast on your favorite podcasting app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the subscribe, follow button, uh, and we will continue coming at you uh, twice a week here. And uh, hopefully we have some uh, some fun stuff planned for the postseason as, uh, as the, this time next week will be uh, fully ramped up for regionals. Uh, Alrighty, so enjoy conference tournament weekend. Uh, enjoy selection Monday. Hopefully, everyone is able to avoid a super anxious wait. If uh, if your team is is uh, you know on that bubble, we'll uh, we'll be back here on Monday to to talk all about how it how it shook out over the last uh, last few days here uh, of the of the the conference tournament weekend, regular season, whatever. Leading up to selection Monday, we'll 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 be back here on Monday to wrap all of that up. So for Joe, I'm Teddy, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.